Mighty Mike, Tene Hotaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman with you as always. Now, a cyber incident has hit Auckland Transport's hub system, believed to be ransomware, and it has taken top ups and other hop services offline, but you'll still be able to tag on and off even if the card cannot be topped up. So that's for Auckland listeners. Today, looking at solutions to crime, which has been a big topic on the trail. Yesterday, housing prisoners properly to reduce the chance of going back into prison. Today, getting a driver's licence. Also, Wellington has been a poster child for cycle lane wars, uh, but latest stats seem to show if you build it, well, they will come. That on the show. And beyond the forced kiss, why attitudes need to change in sport. And that includes New Zealand former football firm Dr. Michelle Cox with the panel on that. And here's one for you. A colleague came in uh, today with a rather unusual sandwich. And it was odd enough for me to invite this person on. 425, you wait until you hear about it. So the question of the day today is, while we are all taking our lunch to work, what's your favourite sandwich filling? I'll start. Hummus, yellow pickle, cheese, ham. My God, delicious every day. What's yours? Text me, 210. What's that look for? Uh, 2101, email the panel at rnz.co.nz. With me, Verity Johnson, columnist and co-owner Club Burlesque, not impressed. <laughs> Hummus in a sandwich? That is... But my mum would love you, but that's also truly weird. Doesn't it go kidding. soggy? No, no, it doesn't go soggy. With us uh, is Peter Dunn, former leader of United Future commentator. Kia ora, Peter. Kia ora, Wallace. Kia ora, Verity. Kia ora, Peter. Nice to have you both on. We discussed that, so keep those coming through text. But to this, this is interesting. If you've ever sat in a live audience and noticed that men seem to pipe up with questions more than women, you'd be right. Men asked 78% of the questions in a 2022 study from Berkeley University of California. Other research has shown similar results. Claudia Hammond investigated the issue for the BBC and reported that women aren't as keen to put their hands up because they're worried they'll be misunderstood or can't work up the nerve, amongst other things. Now, to discuss, we've invited someone with robust experience hosting live audiences Novelist, short story writer, essayist, associate professor, Paula Morris. Kia ora, Paula. Paula, are you with us? Yes, I am. Can you not hear me? I can now. What a topic, what a minefield, and you'd have been front and centre of this. Time for the Q&A, and who puts their hand up first, Paula? Well, it's usually the, the worst person possible, as you know. I mean... <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Often, I mean, so I've done a lot of chairing, as you say, at festivals particularly, but also at one-off events for big-name writers. And it is interesting that these figures have come out to say it's largely men who step forward. It's not really surprising. Some of the men who step forward really just want to talk. They just want to talk. Oh, come on. That can't be true, can it, really? Well, I was uh, chairing the event with Arundhati Roy, the Indian writer, a few years ago. And because of a sound issue... I had to translate all the questions to Arundhati. She couldn't hear people talk on the mics. This guy asked a question that I swear to you was five minutes long. And when I turned to her, I was able to sum it up in eight words. Everyone laughed. But 
It's been talked for so long, and I think it is a confidence issue, really. Maybe uh, it's a misplaced confidence issue. Do you think I it's think- a confidence issue or a control issue? I mean, my experience has been similar to yours. Many meet, having addressed many meetings and answered many questions, mm. the men tend to actually, in the guise of a question, tell you what they think rather than what they want to hear from you, and it's all about mm. controlling the agenda. Mm. There are definitely a lot of statements as mm. a, with, a, with a tiny question, do you agree, tacked on the end. Yeah, yeah. Paula? Yeah. Paula? Oh, absolutely. And we try to say at festivals, you say, please, questions, not comments, but it's impossible. And certainly in the academic context that this BBC article was talking about, you just get people standing up and pontificating about their areas of expertise. And it's incredibly boring to everyone else. I admire their, their confidence, though, but I do wish they would shut up. I think mm. there's also like a thing, something I've noticed when I'm doing panel things and talking to people is that men seem to be a lot more comfortable looking stupid in public. Like they will say <laughs> really dumb questions that you've already just explained or like they'll repeat something very obvious that you've already canvassed. Whereas women are like more terrified of looking dumb in public, so don't say it. So is that something oh, you've seen absolutely. before? Oh, absolutely, Verity. I think you don't want to be the stupid woman. And I think one of the great things about getting older is that you care a little bit less about being the stupid woman in the room. Because you know that that often you'll be criticised or looked down on in some way, but I I really care about that. Because what it really means is that a lot of intelligent questions are silent. Yeah, I I think sometimes it's not so much the men um, being unafraid of being dumb as the the higher up the the ladder they are, the less aware of the fact that they are dumb and sound dumb. (laughs) And they charge in to air their knowledge. There's a quote quote that'll follow you, Peter. I think women tend to to be more considerate and thoughtful, in my experience. Yeah, I We also tend to be more junior, don't you think? Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. It's it's not surprising. I mean, just at every university in New Zealand, every single university, the vast majority of professors at that level are male. Mm. Are, we being, are, we, are we being a bit hard on the men this afternoon, Paula? I mean, the men you descri- describe, they might be people of real knowledge going to these events because they're familiar uh, with the issue at hand, so they know what they're talking about. No, of course you're right. I love men, and many of them are very intelligent, and I'm very happy when we speak <laughs> up at an event. It's great. You know, there can be stupid people of all kinds, as we know. But I sometimes think maybe, and it just isn't, it's not just about gender, it's also about all sorts of privilege and confidence that maybe sometimes you hold back so someone else can step forward. And mm. it would be great mm. if we saw that happen in a right. lot more context. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Jeanette mm. says, uh, Wallace, in general, women are less confident in all forums because women are always judged more harshly and criticised much more than men. And women are aware of, of this, uh, says Jeanette. So what can we, because this is quite an issue, isn't it? This, this, this BBC article really struck out at me, Paula. Uh, men asked 78% of the questions. is extraordinary. So... What do we need to remind ourselves if you are uh, a moderator or indeed if you are in the audience, what are a couple of things to remind ourselves of? Well, if you're the moderator, you have to have an iron grip on the event, is my advice. You are not there to be the nice person. You're there to make the person you're interviewing be the nice person. So sometimes you have to say, I need to stop you. Thanks, we've got it. Or no, be quiet. Um, I had to interrupt someone once. It was the very last question at a big event, 2,000 people. And this young guy stood up, and he had the last question, so a lot of people have been disappointed. And he just started talking and talking, and I realized he was just showing off. And so I interrupted him. Mm. And I said, Fiona, thank you very much for that. Please sit down. You have to do it. 
and we're so polite to a fault wow. in New Zealand. It's mm. like, don't be polite. Let's because you know it's, there are going to be intelligent questions in the room. If you are a questioner, ask yourself: Am I the person to ask this, or should I just wait to see if somebody else does, or do I need to thrust myself forward? I think over politeness can sometimes be a bit of a fault for women. Like I know when I was like starting in media, I had to be told to actively like jump into questions. Mm. Like don't wait for everyone else to like go on for 10 minutes, actually actively enter the conversation. And I think that is over politeness of which women are concerned Mm. with. Now, Claire says, I'm so impressed with the male panelists acknowledging the truth in this. Thank you. Oh, (laughs) look at you you two. Cookies. Uh, this This is to Peter. Um, <laughs> Panelist singular. I, 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 yeah, no, very, Paula. Very, very interesting. Really good advice. Kia ora, thank you. Kia ora. That's um, essayist, associate professor Paula Morris. Meanwhile, your look. It's very simple, isn't it? It's a very simple done question of the day. But you wait till four twenty-five, and I have a colleague which had the oddest sandwich today, and I cannot wait. To share it with this person is very famous too, by the way. Um, you you just wait. So, what is your favourite topping? Teresa says, or sandwich filling, herb quark. What with what? finely sliced pear and blue cheese crumbles on top, then grilled. That's at home. Two cream cheese thickly spread with peanut butter, thickly spread chopped celery, a little salt. Teresa in Napier, that is next next level. No one knows what quark, quark is. <laughs> Keep them coming. Sandwich fillings, 2101. All right, time for I've been thinking. Verity, take it away. Um, I've been thinking this week about how utterly unenthused I am about this election. Like, it honestly feels like choosing between my least favourite exes. Like, I am that reluctant to go to the polls. I am so reluctant to go to the polls that I wasn't going to vote because I was so angry. Well, I I think I represent a very Auckland-specific point of view when I say this, but, like, Auckland is still furious about the way that this government mistreated it during the previous... um, three years in the previous election cycle and it feels as a small business owner especially that we basically just got a bit ignored i know you're in wellington peter um we love you too but just give me a little bit of jaffa jaffa hurt for a minute (laughs) and there was this sense i think among the auckland mild left who i am probably um that we were promised this massive reform program this program of change this program of equality and we basically not only did we get not get that but we got let down really seriously as the super city and i'm so mad at labor what are you I, complaining about it's a great city no 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 i don't mean like the city's bad but i meant like the way that the lockdowns the final yeah, stretch of yeah. lockdown mm-hmm. and the small business impact was just absolutely horrific like it brought us to our knees and i think there was a real lack of understanding saved a lot of lives it did it did indeed um, and i would never say that our response was was bad from that point of view, but I think in the final few months of the lockdowns in 2021, remember around New Year's when basically everyone mm. was going out and we were still at Orange and it still really impacted the hospo sector? Um, I just don't think they listened. The government didn't listen to us. and You're angry. Yeah, I'm, we're still mad. And I say that not just as me, but mm. I say that as the mildly pissed off. I voted Labour in the last three elections. You know, like I, I am a lefty. Um, and this sense of rage hasn't been abated yet. And I'm also even I'm surprised that Labour isn't really courting Auckland and National's not really courting Auckland either. They're just kind of like, yeah, whatever. They but, would disagree with that. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, I feel... Okay. Anyway, but yeah, I wasn't going to vote, but then my mum convinced me to vote. So if you are out there listening and thinking about not voting despite Labour, go and vote. Just go for a go minor party. Kia ora. All right, um, Peter Dunn, I've 
been thinking? Yeah, it's good to use the Maori language, and this is Maori Language Week, and I've been thinking a bit about that during the week. Um, I think there have been some remarkably impressive documentaries on television. I think the two uh, programs that Scotty Morrison did were first rate. I watched a great one last yeah. night about the whole history of the Maori language from the time of the petition, and then we had that really inspiring program a couple of nights earlier about the racism in Pukekohe in the 1950s and 60s. And it really brings home to you the relevance of the Maori language today. It's not just some sort of arcane academic um, exercise for a few people. It's really part of what New Zealand is. And I just feel a bit embarrassed that yesterday morning when I was out walking, a delightful old lady greeted me. She was a European woman, and as I passed her, she said, Atamarie. And I didn't have the confidence to say anything more to her than good morning. And after I'd passed her, I thought I should have replied by saying kia ora or atamare or something else. And I think that's the, that's the thing about this week. It's really about giving people the confidence to start to use what little of the language they may have to improve their skills to get better and better and to just mainstream it without making it something that's a, it's a challenge. It's just a real part of our life. So I, I hope that this Maori Language Week inspires more people just to become a little bit more uh, aware, a little bit more proficient, and a little bit more confident. Yeah, kapai. Kapai, kapai. Kia ora, Peter. Both brilliant IBM things. Really fantastic. Um, so that's who is on the panel this afternoon. Verity Johnson, Peter Dunn. My son had the same club sandwich every day right through his school days. Uh, white bread layers with peanut butter, marmite, honey and salami. He was a big fan <laughs> of white and brown food. And another favourite sandwich filling, tahini, sweet 100 tomato and red mizuna. Don't even know what that is. What's Quark? What's Mizuna? Who knows? The panel, uh, NZ National. Stay with us.